It's time to create better. Create better family, health, business, and self. Welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table. This is where we share tips about business and parenting. Being a mom of three, CEO of the award-winning company Easy Daisy's speaker and educator, you're going to learn the tips and secrets of successful and incredible people. Elaine wants you to be inspired, challenged, and motivated, and that person you want your kids to grow up to be. This is Real Talk for Real Life. Hi, welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table, where we talk about how to create better, how to create better family, better health, better business, and better self. And I am thrilled to have my guest on as a part two, and it's Kirsten Anderson. Kirsten, say hi. Hello. <laughs> Kirsten is amazing, and I have known her. I'm blessed to call her my friend. And before then, she was actually my. Uh, she was a, a toy store owner, and I'm downplaying this because she was an entrepreneur for over 25 years in the toy industry. And for over a decade, she was the play expert on global TV, and Kirsten sold her award-winning toy store that won the title of Best Toy Store in Canada. Hello! And so she sold that, and then to bridge her expertise in business leadership and the bottom-line benefits of play for all ages, especially in the workplace, she has now founded a company called Integrate Play Solutions. And many people will call her a playologist. And if you can picture her, she actually used to wear like a white doctor lab coat. And she was like the doctor prescribing how to play specifically to different individuals, which I love about her and her team. Now, she is also an international keynote speaker who shares the power of playfulness to improve innovation, wellness, culture, and team dynamics. And here we have her on this humble podcast to share with us today how play is important to the family, not just kids, but the parents and the grandparents. So much to talk about and so little time. Kristen, hello. How are you today, honey? Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, I could talk about it all day long. <laughs> so we're going to squeeze it in here. I know. I want to go and play with you. Like, let's yeah. just go do something. We should just like end this and go play. But we will soon. We will. We will organize a play event one day. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, why do play dates stop when kids hit middle school? Right. Like, we should have play dates. <laughs> I definitely have play dates. I think you have play dates. <laughs> I think I do have play dates. I love to play so much. Now, I'd love to, I love I know that in our other episode, we talked about the definition of play. And I loved how you said there are countless definitions of what play can mean. But if, if you were to take the Kirsten Anderson definition in your dictionary as the playologist doctor, what would you say play is? Well, we talked about flow, like being in flow. Um, and so uh, do you mean like, what is it? What does play look like for me? Sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, based on the previous definition um, that I gave around being in flow, being totally absorbed in something and, and that pleasure that you get when you're when you're in the moment, being t fully present. Um for me, my favorite way to play it personally is like floating in a lake or a river or an ocean or swimming of some sort. I think I'm part mermaid. Uh, <laughs> I'm a great swimmer. And, and there's a, uh, an example of play. You don't have to be great at something 
to enjoy it, right? And they'll play the piano and they might not be great. They might, you know, do a sport and not be great, but they can still enjoy it. So um, I love it. That is a key difference when we're looking at a very structured play uh, for kids in sports, for example. So if if we're worried about children being in highly, highly structured, you know, three, four activities um, in a in a term or or a season. It, what, what happens is there's not a lot of time for unstructured play and there's a huge value in having unstructured play for adults and kids, but kids are still developing. So we really want to make sure that kids have that unstructured play in their lives um, from birth right up to, um, well, adulthood, but yeah. Wow. That, that is a very key point right there, that unstructured play. Because I, I know that in conversations with many other parents, they go, of course, my kid plays. He plays soccer. He plays hockey. But it's <laughs> – I love your expression. It's me to hear that, yeah. And then they come home and they're on screens for the other for the other rest of their day. And, and that is a, a challenge at school as well as at home and where uh, things can be very um, set without any – without any time to be bored. And if you think back to your own childhood, a lot of people in my Gen X generation had a lot of free time to play and make up games and be imaginative and have fantasies and like to invent. And so we don't want to lose that. Kids, this is one of the top 10 uh, skills that um, children are going to need. Like what can robots not do? Robots can't be creative. So if we want our kids to grow up, to be creative, to be highly employable, we need to nurture that creativity. I love that. Highly structured, um, time constrictive. um, And and parents, you know, as kids get older, you know, their time doesn't look, it does look different than when they're safe um, under 12, let's say. Mm. So I will make that distinction that, you know, like you have a lot less control, a lot less, they have a lot more autonomy as they get older uh, of their own time and how they spend their time and how mm-hmm. they're playing and how they're creating versus consuming. Um, so, but when they're younger and you have more options, creating those blocks of time, like we talked in the previous episode about having our own recess, our own breaks so that we can be creative and realize that we're not stuck. So when kids have toys, for example, that are, um, we had a lot of open-ended toys when I had the toy store. And what that meant was it didn't come with a story pre-written on it. So Mm. for example, like a superhero, some children might think, Oh, this superhero always has to play this role. Well, when it's like a generic character, then it opens up the possibilities of to be more free and same with dress up costumes. And, And so having those things available and then encouraging children to play with it either by having friends over or you're playing with them or showing how they can play by themselves all help to nurture that unstructured play. I, I love it. I love that unstructured play that it doesn't have to be defined in, in constraints of certain rules or uh, de- defined roles. And, you know, it's it's funny. I, I When you were talking, I was thinking of my kids. I have three kids, and we often hang out with this other family, and we have dinner, and then the parents usually play, like, cards or or a board game, and then the kids go do something else. And these kids, there's six kids all together between the two families, and they vary in age between five a five-year gap. 
and and we've known them since prenatal class. So our kids, our oldest are now 18, my goodness. But I'm just thinking of how I love how they play. Like all, all six of them will play together and, you know, they'll play upstairs. And so they range from like 12 years old now to 18, but they've been playing this game for like five years and they call it the, the museum, the museum of the night or something like that. And it's hilarious because they tell us about this and they, they play for hours and they basically play in the dark with flashlights and some of them are statues that are in a museum and some are security guards and some are thieves <laughs> and they take things and it's I don't even understand it but it's all in their they created this game and they've been playing it for five years I love it too it makes me it. smile oh and that reminds me of camping this year to see you know the my 14 year old play when I don't get to see him, like I, I see him play when we go to the beach, you know, like there's certain times I get to see him, but it's a lot less regular now for me to see this. As I mean, I wouldn't call it intergenerational at that age, but inter-age. And yes. um, this is one thing that kids are deprived of a lot at school um, is they don't play with multi-age very often. Yes, because like, it might not be cool. <laughs> well, but like the kindergarten kids aren't playing with the grade fives. And, you know, we had a certain family when growing up. And, yeah, we played like like you're describing where we would invent games. And, and there's huge, huge benefits to kids inventing their own games. Yes. Coming up with their own rules and modifying it because these are the skills. Yes. Century skills they're going to need. I, I love that you mentioned that before, like what robots can't do and what humans can do. And it's all this STEM skills right here, right now, right? It is the critical thinking, the problem solving, the the collaboration, all of this. There's there's so much going on when kids are inventing and imagining and creating, like even like taking turns and yeah. and delegating. And it's so, so much incredible richness of learning going on emotional intelligence skills really mm. i mean a lot of it is about emotional intelligence and you know what if we didn't do these things if we didn't let them play like you know we don't even want to think about what you know what it's like um without that play component to the fun factor i also like to call it <laughs> i i love it like you know i, I was actually going to ask you like what are some of the benefits of play like hello i think we we just touched on all of that is it it is allowing that emotional intelligence and uh, there's there's so many things happening for for kids when we allow unstructured play to happen and sometimes we have to plan for it though and say you know go do something put your screens away yeah. nothing related to the computer just go go do something and they might be bored and they might complain and that's okay Okay. <laughs> we yes. could live with it and they will find a way yeah, yeah they'll find a way they'll find a way to amuse themselves and um at the beginning of the pandemic i was giving my son like scavenger hunts like to go into the woods and like find all these different things by himself on the bike i'm just like you know what if i see him do like an example of play um you know i you can check that box off because to me it, it checks off ju not just the mental health but the physical health aspects like of having physical play um and because you know since i mentioned the pandemic you know it's been 
some people have been super hyper-focused on new ways to play, which is great. And um, it's changed the way that they've played or slow play, or maybe they've had like less social, like less social interactions with friends. Um, but adaptability has definitely um, gone up. And that mm. is something that, again, we really need in this volatile, uncertain world that we live in. Um, we don't know what's you know, around the corner. And so I think, you know, kids are adaptable and that, and that's something we can take in the playful mindset is, you know, going back to our childhood and saying, you know what, kids were, kids are adaptable. And I too, you know, have that in me um, to approach things in an adaptable way. No, I love it. I love it. And, you know, I, I receive a lot of emails from families and uh, one question that families have presented is, my kids don't know how to play. They like outside of their screen. They they don't know how to play. They'll say they're bored. There's nothing to do. All their friends are on the video games. So, do you have a suggestion? Whether it's one, one or three, that you would say, "Hey, try this." Of course, it depends on the age um, and you know how much freedom they have. Um, so let's say let's say with under twelve right now. Yeah, I, I mean, when I was one interesting fact about, um, and that maybe this is off topic, but the freedom that we give kids now in 2021 is a lot less than we gave kids um, when we were growing up, and it's a safer world. And so parents think it's a more dangerous world quite often. Um, they're like, oh, but things are different now. And it's like, actually, it's safer. There's like less murders and less, you know, like <laughs> we're actually in a safer world, but we're the zone that kids are allowed to explore on their own has shrunk like by 90% since the 60s. So they've been so is it like helicopter parenting or, or what, what is that happening? We're kind of talking about helicopter parenting, but um, it really impacts play, right? Because if kids can't um, have places where they can go with their friends without parental supervision all the time, um, it really impacts their play and kids need that freedom to to play on their own and without being supervised. So maybe it's a backyard, maybe it's at the park, um, maybe it's, you know, at someone else's house, but some type of um, independence. So that's like one thing I would say is like how much, you know, age appropriate independence. And of course, that's the subjective part for every parent is deciding like what is age appropriate and that's based on the maturity of their own child and then people are influenced by their peers like what you know am I going to be the first one to let my kid go to school by themselves I was always the first to let my kid walk to school by themselves because I was five you know walking a mile to school and six feet of snow in kindergarten. hey that was me too yeah yeah and you know I was totally fine except for that one time when I lost my boot in the snow bank but um, mine were both shoes in the mud (laughs) and you know what we learned from that we remember it it's about that adaptability and um so, but of course it's heartbreaking to hear kids say, I don't know how, or I don't know how to play, or the parent is thinking that their kid doesn't know how to play. I think like we probably, when we were left to our own devices, had the same thoughts or, you know, like, I don't have anything to do. Like, I don't think this is a new problem. This, we just have this, um, this tool, this toy, you know, the iPad or whatever you, device you have now that is so easy, so easy for us to go to, My, you know, myself included. Um, I was lucky that when they were younger, it wasn't as prevalent as it is 
now, like them being 16. So, you know, like 10 years ago, they, they existed. But anyways, like putting it off, of course, can help. But creating space, I think you, know, you mentioned it, creating space for some screen free time. And then look, one one tip I will also add is um, that I used to tell parents in the toy store was rotate your toys. So we talked yes. about novelty. So like, let's say you have this big bin of wooden trains, or you have some Playmobil, or you have blocks or Barbies or whatever, whatever the, your kid's favorite toy is. If it's sitting there open, and I always recommended clear containers so your kids could see what their toys were, because if they're shut away and you can't see them because your house is so beautiful, um, they will forget that it's there. So like taking it out or having a way to like bring it out. Mm-hmm. Um is just having the novelty factor, like rotating mm-hmm. toys. Like maybe you're Love taking that. away like half half of the collection and, you know, bring this other collection of other toys in. Mm-hmm. This was the same with travel toys too. You know, I mm-hmm. would always say like, if you went traveling, just bring out one thing at a time, right? So it's like a novelty. You don't like give, here's, here's a big bunch of travel toys. They're going to be done with it in 30 seconds. So Absolutely. I'd love that. And so you're saying like, like, you know, parents are like, oh, I don't want to keep buying new toys. No, you don't have to keep buying new toys. Okay. You put them away and then bring it out in, in a, like next month and, and okay. it's new again, yeah. right? It's just like when you're giving away your toys and all of a sudden they see it and they're like, no, I want it. Even though I haven't played with it in a year, but now I want it. But yes, that's an excellent reminder to rotate your, your toys and then it's, it's something new to them. And, and limiting screen time. And showing yeah. interest in how they're playing. And I know for some, you know, for yes. some years it can be, I was just reading a study about this yesterday and it was like 95% of the parents, American and British, um, wanted to spend time with their kids playing. And like 65% found it like that they were worrying about other like tasks and thinking about other things. So staying present was difficult um, when they were playing. It's okay. You know, it's okay like that you're going to, your mind's going to wander, <laughs> you know, like, yay, it's great when you can stay present. And does it have, do you have to stay present for the full one hour or however long you designate? Sometimes it's just about getting the play going, you know, like you're, Absolutely. you're there as the kindling in the fire um, to yes. start the storytelling. And then you get this whole thing going where they're playing by themselves and then you get to go off and go make dinner, whatever, you know, whatever. Oh, your absolutely. But I love that. That's an excellent reminder. And so I, I do a lot of talks to educators as well and, and parenting. And that's exactly right is, is showing interest in, in what they're learning or in what they're playing. So, so true, right? Like they've just created a, a Lego fortress or a fort, like show interest in, in the end result, right? Like go enjoy it, climb right in there. Yeah. And like just you know, showing in the fort maybe. Yeah. You in bed that night, you could do it in the fort. Absolutely. And and to, to just let it go, right? It's like, yes, it may look like a mess, but look at the creativity that, that happened that and created confidence. that. Confidence is another benefit of that, you know, like when you not only show interest, they feel cared for, seen and heard, but also like that they accomplish something and you're Mm -hmm. valuing it. So when you go in there and you're, you know, like wowed by what they created, like that helps build them up. Um, I love that. I love that. And I I see that correlation because when I share, you know, that kids studies will show that children learn better and do better in school because their parents are interested 
that is the same for play because now they are that more confident um, creator, like innovator, um, imaginator, <laughs> like yeah. all of that because they had a parent sh- express interest or acknowledgement in some way. And it, it's so true. Like even when I was a school teacher and we did those presentations, uh, like a, a spring concert, the kids that I had weren't excited because they were going to say their line, but because they were looking for their parent in the audience. That's all they wanted was to see a face that they knew that would be like smiling back at them that can recognize that they are there for them. And that that's all it is. That's, that's why they want to do that. And it's so important being present, Mm -hmm. being present. I love it. I love it. There's so many things I want to say because I know that, you know, you are this play expert and in another conversation, Kirsten, you and I were talking and you were saying, Hey, it's not just about kids. Play helps seniors. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Tell me more. Well, we're all aging no matter what age we are. Yes. And we have parents. We have parents. And I was telling my parents yesterday, I'm like, Hey, you should do some Sudokus and crossword puzzles just to get your brains going. Because my dad's like, sometimes I say black when I want to say white. And, and I'm like, hey, I, I'm there too. <laughs> like, I totally understand. So tell me more. Yeah. Um, well, physical play, you know, like there's the physical play and there's that mind play. There's lots of different types of play out there, imaginative play. Um, but as we're aging, it does keep us young. I actually heard this quote um, I was an anthropologist said, I want to die young at an advanced age. <laughs> and I was like, oh, as a young at heart person, I just love that. Like, I want to be an advanced age, but I'm, oh, look, she's still young. You know, like, I love that. And so like, you know, play keeps us young and um, it builds relationships. It helps us deal with stress. There's still stress as we're aging. It helps us with our well-being and our mental health. And, um, and that physical side of things helps us with our memory, our brain function, you know, keeps us open to possibilities so that we're, you know, thinking of, of new ways of doing things, even as because it can be easy to get into a rut, right? As we age, like, oh, this is working for me still, like, this is the way I've always done it. Like, it's not just business that does that, it's people in their personal lives mm-hmm. as well. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of have, you know, kind of have to keep, you know, opening ourselves up to doing things in new ways. So, so what would you say? So if I was to say to my mom and my dad and like, hey, go play, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, and I think you're not going to get the, maybe the most receptive uh, response um, because there is, can be a lot of judgment around the word play. People think of the word play as the opposite of work. Yes, um, frivolous, people, waste of time. Frivolous, it's, you know, what, what will people think of me if I'm play, I'll, you know, I'll be judged. And so I'm constantly posting on Instagram and stuff like pictures of like seniors that are skateboarding or seniors like doing their exercises on playground equipment or um, as, like especially like advanced seniors in their 80s doing things that you wouldn't expect. You don't see that every day, but they're being super playful and it's keeping them very young and vital. And so what I would say to um, anyone is just at any age is what is your favorite way to play? And what was your favorite way to play as a child? So um, I'd ask you that, Elaine, like, what was your favorite way to play as a child? Oh, I I liked 
playing house. <laughs> I remember I like, and I would create like, and I, it was so weird. Like I'd take like a dollhouse, and I turn it sideways and put it over an air vent, and I'd make that into a fridge, so that the cold air would go into the dollhouse, and then that would be my pretend fridge. And so I guess I was innovating with things. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I loved creating stores and I would sell things to the neighborhood kids like mm. like rocks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I yeah, it was I just liked creating things that could be functional, I guess. Yeah. But uh, it was it was fun for me and I I don't know. I So yeah. when I do the one-to-one coaching and and we're talking about um bringing more fun into your life or more play into your life uh, around that well-being piece, starting with how did you really find that joy? What, you know, when you were lit up as a child can really, can really translate into your present day. Mm. So whether you're 80 or 50 or 20 um, or 10, it's relevant because what lights you up? Like what makes you feel like you're in the flow and you could just do this all day or for a very long time? Um, those so if you've lost touch with those things sometimes going back into the memory mm-hmm. is how can i integrate that feeling now and That's so awesome. you know, like if it was about organizing or if it was about design or if it was about selling something like how can i do more of that in my present day so maybe um like for me oh i loved sliding down the banister you know, when I was really little, right? Like three or four. Well, I'm not about to go sliding down any banisters, but what was the feeling associated with that action? For me, it was about feeling exhilaration and terrifying. Nice. For me, there's multiple ways I can feel exhilaration and terrifying. Getting up on stage in front of 1,300 people, that's still exhilarating and terrifying. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, like, but for someone else, it might be, you know, I really loved working on puzzles. You know, like, I just love that aspect of like the completion when I did like a thousand pieces and and they're like you know what I haven't done one for 20 years maybe I'll take up puzzles again or I've always that's awesome that feeling right like get back to that root feeling that you had and how can you bring more of that into your life now yes I love it I, I love all of the suggestions I'm hoping that you know if you're listening that you're you're thinking of your own right now of what did I love doing when I was a kid and I want to do it again And if you have children, it's a great excuse to bring it back (laughs) because you can introduce them to it, right? Like, I, that's one reason I I miss teaching, uh, being a classroom teacher is, you know, I I watch kids and they don't know how to play outside. They, they, they're just standing there. And I would bring out a big rubber ball and I would teach them how to play a game called Spud that I used to play when I was a kid. And, and I loved, and then it became like contagious. And then there would be all these red bouncy balls outside. And it didn't matter how old you were because it's still fun to play. I've always thought that the recess monitors that they have or the playground monitors should really be play people. They should be out there like, yeah, of course, looking for safety or violations or whatever. Like the kids are so scared of the scared of them usually. But what if they were like the play people that they could go to, which also creates safety? You know, we talked yes. about in the last um, great idea. Safety and trust. But if they were also play mentors, like I love it. Lonely, right? They could connect groups and stuff like that. So that is I a great idea. Yeah, 
That is a great idea. See, if I was in the classroom still, I would create a club for like the grade eights or sevens, and they would be the leadership of of these. They'd be under the brand of your playologists, and they would go and 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 teach kids how to play. Well, right. And even a, a grade five could teach. You yes, play. absolutely. Yeah. Right. Especially, I was just thinking of the highest grade, like if. I like, guess in middle school, it would be grade five. And yes, they could teach the kids how to play. And, you know, they have fun. Because I know my son was in middle school. And he uh, was a volunteer uh, recess supervisor at a, a nearby elementary school. And he had so much fun because he got to play tag and grounders with the kindergartners because he was actually in charge of their safety, but he got to play. And I know that he loved doing it. And so did his friends because they got to play in the playground with little ones. Absolutely. Now, because I'd love to keep this short and sweet and and there's so much I can ask you and, and chat with you always, Kirsten. I, I, I want to go back to the problem of the parent, and we're going to end it with this, with a suggestion that you may have. Maybe it's one big tip or, or three different strategies for the parent who says, okay, you know, I'm, I'm tired of the screens and I want my child to play more. What do I do? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I could give so many tips, but yeah, I'll, I'll do one and maybe I'll email you some more or whatever. Like I have a download or something. For, for, for Sounds some great. People, people want more tips. But I think that for a lot of us, that permission to play is something that we struggle with as adults. Mm. You know, we feel like we need to be doing something all the time. We need to be responsible. We need to be hyper-focused. We need to be productive. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm exhausted, then I'm uh, then I'm going to rest uh, on on the couch or you know whatever your your form of rest is. So when we give ourselves permission to play, that means that we're also modeling for our kids um, that they can play as well. Because that was really my mission when I sold the toy store. I said, if I can get adults playing it's going to be a trickle-down effect. Wow. We're going to get high schoolers playing because high schoolers are going to see that their parents are prioritizing play. And then the middle schoolers and then the elementary school because I was seeing the compression of less and less play, you know, younger and younger, less and less. And so I think, like, we as adults need to not just tell kids to go play, which, you know, is mm-hmm. effective sometimes, but model it. Like, what does it I look love like that. when adults wow. play? It can be silly. We're making mistakes. It can be messy you know, it can be chaotic. And so like kind of getting like, okay with that, at least in small doses, like, you know, some people want things to be tidy and guess what? Even tidying up can be a play activity, right? (laughs) So, you know, get okay with some mess and some mud sometimes. And, you know, like we are the result of our play. It's going to, you know, it's going to show up on our kids' faces. Um, You're going to see the sparkle in their eyes. You're going to feel the sparkle in your own eyes. So, you know, I've just like, sending out this big wish to everybody that hears this that they uh, integrate more you know we can all even a playologist can always use more anyone can use more play in their life it's a, i yeah. best best advice ever <laughs> role model the play 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 and i love that you said we are a result of our play wow that is the first time i've ever heard anybody say that <laughs> and i love it and you know, I, I I just see your passion, Kirsten, and that that 
that is one of the reasons I love you so much. But you are who you like. You you are everything you say, and it's not like you're just coming up with this. No, you you exude it, and and I love that. And I can't wait to be in person with you, and we can go play together. And I look forward to that. So if we take away anything from this conversation, as as uh, and I, I love the growth mindset that we always learn something no matter what. And if we've heard it before, that's a great time to say, hey, that's a great reminder. But to to role model play so that our kids think and know, hey, it's okay to be silly, to make a mess and to laugh at myself and to be silly and to have fun because so much comes out of play. As you said, we're a result of our play. And so are our relationships. What if we play more in our romantic relationships, in our so not just with our children, but in our romantic, with our friends, you know, like you and I might go swimming or walking, you know, like with our parents. So I think, you know, like think about your relationships and how you're playing and how you can add a little bit more fun uh, yes. to your relationship. Yeah, I love that. I love that you use the word novelty too. I love it. And Kirsten, I want to say thank you. Thank you with all my heart for joining us today on this podcast. And if you would like to find Kirsten, she will have, I will have all of her, uh, social media contacts and everything on our show notes. And it's Kirsten Anderson. And you, I know that she mentioned before that LinkedIn is her fave social media. So go there to find her (laughs) and Instagram. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today and have fun playing today. Bye for now. Bye.